podcast. Sorry, I don't know why I've wanted to do that for like six episodes. Hi, I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host of this, the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. With me this week is amazing Joe, Joe Perez. Hey, Joe, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. I've been playing a whole lot of Paper Mario, so I'm in a really good mood. That game is interesting to me because people are posting a lot of videos of it and like kind of hyping the disturbing aspects of it. Oh, it's it's got some real dark aspects. Like it's not a kid's game. Uh, it's it's got some really creepy horror vibes on some of the parts, which kind of like the the only real Mario RPG, isn't it? Right now, because they have they. Square Enix technically owns some of the rights to Mario RPG, uh, so they can't make another one. So this is about as close as we're going to get for a while. All right, all right, cool. Uh, I've not been playing um, Super Mar- Paper Mario, so I won't talk about the game I have been playing because, quite frankly, y'all don't want to hear it again. Um, obviously, <laughs> I'm also playing World of Warcraft. You can see that, but uh, we're going to do the top stories really fast. There's there's a few of them, but I mean, we talked kind of about Shadowlands pretty extensively last week so we're probably not gonna go too into depth on it but one thing that we didn't find out about until after last week's show so we're going to talk about this part right right up fast um if you've been paying attention to how soul binding and conduits work one of the things you that was revealed is that conduits will be effectively like gems they're going to be destructible in fact they will you know when you replace them when you have a conduit in and you take it out and replace it with something else the conduit you had will be destroyed that's the system currently in place on the beta. By the way, we're in beta now. That's that's another news. Beta did happen. We, we're in the Shadowlands beta now. One thing that we, Eon Hazakasas did an interview last week where he basically talked about how that system that they have for conduits is not going live. Yeah, they're, they're listening to feedback. People yeah, did not they're going like to, it. They're going to change it. He did not say what they're going to change it to or how they're going to change it. He didn't say... They're not going to have destructible conduits. He said that the destructible conduit system will not go live as it is now. So he also said that he didn't want to have a uh, system in which players are managing that in their inventory, because that was another thing that came up during that topic. Uh, because, yeah, absolutely. Because they don't want to just have like gems, but gems that aren't destroyed or consumed. Because I mean, I don't have bag gems. space. I don't have. I don't have bag space. I probably won't have bag space going to the Shadowlands. <laughs> I have bag space on this character because I went and like literally threw everything out and mailed as much stuff as I could to like an alt because I've been doing transmog runs, so I wanted to have bag space. But I mean, even then, let's see if I can get my bags open. What the heck you see? Already, my bags are filling up again. So it's I I have sixteen open spots in my bag. That's it. Yeah, I'm more than that, but I that's because like I said, I went and threw out everything and mailed mm-hmm. stuff and put stuff in the bank as much as I could. My bank's completely full. So, yeah. I should start doing void storage again. I just really haven't felt the, the need to at the I, moment. I legitimately forgot void storage existed until today because I haven't used it in forever. So, But regardless, the, yeah. the fact that they're not going to have the system as it is go live, we don't know any details about it. Um, but I am glad that they're listening to feedback. It's one of those things that we as players often complain about that they're not listening, they're not listening, they're not listening. Well, they are. So one of the things that one of the points he made too, uh, and this is he was that they want to get systems out to people as soon as possible in the beta because they don't want to go into an Azerite situation where they didn't have time. Yeah. To make as, real serious adjustments. Yeah, Azerite was a real late addition to to Battle for Azeroth beta, and there was not a lot of time. So. 
And a lot of people, and I'm not pretending I was one of them, uh, a lot of people made points about Azerite at the time that came true. And it would have been good if Blizzard had the time to have adjusted it, because I think that by the end, Azerite wasn't too bad, but it always felt like it was behind the, it was behind the development curve. It always yeah. felt like, okay, this would have been great to have a month ago or five months ago or whatever. But uh, yeah, so besides that, um, one of the things that's going on right now that we can talk about is the uh, Trials of the Tempest buff for Season 21 of Diablo 3 has not been well received. Really? Yeah, it has not I, been well received. Because I, I just installed Diablo 3 again to play through the season. And yeah, I liked the fact that it was weird and elementally. It wasn't. That's not the problem. Uh the biggest problem people have is one that it completely covers the strain. Like when it goes off, it can it can effectively, and they they've already hotfixed it once to reduce its size, like to make it less distracting. So you may have missed its worst aspect, but even now it's pretty it's a pretty big thing when it goes off. It's it's hard to miss, and it can kind of obscure things. Some players are reporting having to turn on enemy nameplates just so they can see that there's stuff to target. Um, and in general, people. I personally like kill streak buffs. Mm-hmm. I like stuff where you kill stuff, and as you kill stuff, you get buffs, and stuff happens. I liked system. I, I liked uh, season eighteen for that reason. I mean, season nineteen, sorry. Uh, and I like this one. I think it's fine. I don't think it mechanically there's anything wrong with it, but people are not f- thrilled with it, and they've already hot fixed it at one point. They hot fixed it basically, like I said, to fix the really egregious graphical and sound errors. Like the sound was going off, and and it wasn't like you couldn't make it stop. And it was taking out the whole screen with brightness. They've 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 adjusted those down, but people are still talking negatively towards it. One of the things that even happened when when uh, one of the Blizzard CMs um, was talking on the the Reddit forum about it, and he made the point that they might make an adjustment to the season, similar to how season twenty they they brought back double treasure goblins from season fourteen. They had they added them in again during season 20. So season 20 actually had two season buffs going. It had the, the uh, Kanai's cube one, and then it had treasure goblins. And that's something they might do for season 21. And a lot of players are really for that, including myself, just because I love double treasure goblins. I think it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More treasure goblins, but I don't necessarily think that season 21 is a bad buff so much as I think we're kind of in the, we're in the end phase of this game. Like, they're working on Diablo 4, seriously. Diablo 4 is in full-time development. Anything that goes on in, in Diablo 3 is basically the sundown period now. This game is waiting to be replaced. Yeah, and because it's it's, predecessor, it's uh, offspring or, or next in line has already been announced and is already being actively worked on. Yeah, and that's I'm, I'm, not, I'm not upset about that. That's the nature of this kind of thing. But... As a result, I feel like the seasons are just going to keep having people not be particularly thrilled with them because it's really hard for people to like get excited about a game that's been out since 2012 when they know the new hotness is just waiting to come out. And I think you know that one of the ways they could possibly approach this is to seriously just do every season with double season buffs, like just make it so there's a there's always a buff that affects your gameplay and has a meta game aspect and then you can have another buff that's like a damage buff or what have you and you just add them obviously they can't develop a two new buffs every season so you're going to have to recycle the older ones i think that's something that they're going to have to look into otherwise you're going to end up having to like make the decision mid-season again and again and again but at any rate i don't think the trials of the tempest buff 
it's in of itself is a bad buff. I don't think it was badly designed. I just think it is a little it's a little underwhelming when you when you compare it to like season 19, which had a really crazy buff that was just you know the, just way out there. Mm-hmm. It's better than the season of the Triune though, in my opinion. Um, the Eternal Battlefield one that one was great. Uh, the season of the Triune one wasn't bad, but it kept putting a circle on the ground. And I hate buffs that put circles on the ground. Yeah, it seems counterintuitive to the game. Well, the problem is with Diablo 3, you don't really stand in one place. You run around killing things. If there's a buff on the ground that I'm supposed to stand in to get the benefit, but I can't because if I stop moving, I'm going to get you know swarmed and killed, then that's great, I guess. So, yeah, I, I feel like it could certainly have been worse, but people don't like it, and people still kind of don't like it. And that's I understand that that is happening, so... Yeah, fair enough. Uh, uh, also, this is one that I know... I don't think either one of us plays Hearthstone, do we? Uh, I mean, I haven't played in a long time, but I will say these changes definitely are interesting. Okay. There's a new Hearthstone expansion coming out, the Skullamance Academy, I believe it's called. Um, yep. We've, we, we wrote up the how the way the expansion is going to be altering the game. There's lots of different stuff. Lots of... There's new kinds of cards. There's new mechanics. A whole bunch of things. Um, I don't know how this is all going to shake out. Like, I, I straight up, no idea. I have not done Hearthstone in literal years at this point. But it's still cool. One of the things I love about Hearthstone is, A, the, the way that they completely unafraid to just take any random element of World of Warcraft lore and just throw it, like, against the wall and see what sticks. I mean, I am pretty sure I am looking at a tauren with glasses right now. That is that is just really cool. A, a school marm Torin, I am down yep. for it. Um, yeah, it's just it's really I, interesting to see the, the the spell burst mechanic. I mean, you want you should talk about it because you've probably played more often than I have. The idea like behind the 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 one shot spell power boost is kind of really cool. Um, I, I like CCGs. I always have. I used to. I play a lot of them in real life. Like I, I play a lot of. Uh, Keyforge right now is really my my main game, but like th- stuff like this is making me interested again in Hearthstone because it's different. The idea of having cards that have a one shot effect that's really cool because it's it's something you can't bank on. It's something you can't necessarily plan entirely around because if you take your shot and you miss, and with that, well then it's gone. You don't get to use it again. And I, I like that idea because it's it adds a little danger to the game, if that makes sense. I, I don't, I, it's hard to explain, but card cycling is a thing for a lot of other games. And while Hearthstone has never had that, it never had that ability to, to sort of have a discard pile that gets put back into your, your draw pile, having something like this where it's like, okay, this is a consumable I'm using feels good uh so yeah i i I like it because it's it's branching out from the path the game has been taken since it came out it's new it's adding new mechanics in a fun way not just new car types not just minor things and they're taking a risk and i i commend that for for a game that has been i want to say mostly quiet for a while that's pretty cool Yep. I'm, like I said, I haven't played Hearthstone that much. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that pretty much covers it for top stories. Um, we're going to move on to do some some emails and other questions. 
Uh, if you have an email for the show, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we can use it for the show. Or you can you can go to our Discord. We have a Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel for, for Patreon supporters that we look at that one first because that's the whole point of having a Patreon is people get something for giving us money so we can keep doing this. It's not that we don't like people who don't donate to our Patreon, but, you know, that's we got to give people things for doing that. That's that's the whole point. So there's that channel, or you can go down to our Q questions channel, which is not in the, the patron section. So you can ask questions there. We do look at that. We do take questions from it. Um, Joe usually reads the questions for us. So if you don't mind, Joe, not at all. Our first question comes from Shadana. Uh, this is a question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. This is not a spoiler about anything in the novel, but I'll add the tags out there for a deference. Uh, so, Maybe a slight spoiler, but I read through the question. I don't think it really is. Uh, in Shadows Rising, in Chapter 21, when Apari is standing on a cliff with Tayo, Apari knocks Tayo's spyglass to the ground, shattering it after Tayo says she sees Jaina on the ship. Then, a few lines later, Apari raises the spyglass again. Is this an error, or did I miss something? I realize it is very minor, but it has been bugging me. I'm pretty sure it's an error. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I've done that. I mean... I'm actually going to tell the story because it's pretty funny. Um, my my second book, a lot of weird stuff happens in that book. Uh, one of the things that happens is at one point, a, a a manticore fights Odin's wolves. And in the fight, one of Odin's wolves gets killed. And not two paragraphs later, the dead one is the one that bites the thing's tail off. I just... I just lost track of which wolf I'd killed. Sometimes yeah. it happens. It just you 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 lose track of things. You you know, the thing is is this isn't us, this isn't reportage. You're making stuff up. Writing is about making stuff up. You're inventing it. Sometimes you forget what you did, or it's just there's a lot a lot of stuff to keep up in the air. Heck, one of the most famous lore stories in World of Warcraft is a result of this. Chris Metzen did a lot of the most, almost all of the lore development from Warcraft all the way up until like fairly recently when he retired. Yep. He was a big deal. He's the VP of creative development. One of the things he did was he wrote the, the manual for Warcraft three, where he talked about where the Eridar, the demons like Archimonde and Kil'jaeden, where they came from, the story of how they were like these, this corruptive force that was so bad that when Sargeras ran into them, he was corrupted by them. And that's where Sargeras's fall to the dark side began upon his meeting with the Eridar. Now, if you've played World of Warcraft anytime recently, that's not how it went. So what happened? Did they just decide to change Chris's idea? No, Chris decided to change Chris's idea. And he did that because he forgot his idea. Mm -hmm. He forgot all the lore he put into the Warcraft 3 manual when coming up with the origin story for the Draenei. And keep in mind, there were Draenei in Warcraft 3. They were the, the broken. The broken. Yeah, but they were in there. And he's the one that came up with the story for them at first, too. And then when he was coming up with new story, when they were introducing the Draenei into the Burning Crusade, Chris was the one who came up with the new lore. Not realizing that he had completely contradicted himself. The origin of the, of the Eridar, the origin of the Draenei, all of that was completely different now. And when he was called on it, he admitted it. Oh, yeah, I, I screwed up. I, I wrote that book that you're quoting to me. 
the, the passage you are quoting to me, I wrote it. I, I should have remembered it, but I didn't. And that happens. Sometimes, and- sometimes the mistakes are made. Sometimes people just forget little things or big things. In this case, the entire Eridar people. Sometimes yeah. it happens. And, and it's it's even when you have editors too, like when your editors go through it, sometimes they'll miss things like that too. And it's an interesting uh, item where your brain sometimes autocorrects things as well. Uh, so it, sometimes you forget and sometimes your brain just fills in the blanks for you as you're reading through your own stuff. And depending on where you are in the copy edits with your editor, your editor sometimes can do that too. Um, I've had some things go live uh, even on the site that have uh, some egregious errors in them that I've had to go back and and sort after it's been live for a day or two because I missed something and because I've been going back and forth with my editors, you know, so frequently they miss it too because their brains are already filling in the gaps for the right thing. Um, and that's just with a, a blog post, right? That's a website post. That's not a book. And imagine how many times... Uh, you know, in this case, like Madeline went back with her editors back and forth, back and forth, and not just her editors, but like the people at Blizzard that were, you know, making sure that everything was lining up and, and making sure everybody was on the same page. Things get, get, like they get missed. It just happens. So yeah, and it's, this it, is in a particular case, this is something that's really easy for you just to forget you just did. Yeah. Because it's not like you, if you had just written another spyglass, you wouldn't even be any contradiction. Yep. But you you shorthanded it to the spyglass because you know you know what you're talking about, and then someone else would. But wait a minute, the spyglass got destroyed. If this is the spyglass, how that? And you're like, oh. <sighs> but yeah, you'll see that sometimes it happens. Um, our next one from my hyphen a uh, podcast question for whichever show you deem most appropriate. I believe it has been deemed appropriate for this one. Hi, friends. I'm watching Cursed on Netflix, and the fact that there is a character named Uther is bugging me. Is the tale of Arthas a dark, twisted King Arthur story, and I just never noticed it? Are there other famous retellings in Warcraft that I should have noticed outside of Odin and the Keepers tied to Alduar? Well, yes, it is. Super, yeah. Yeah. That's why his name is Arthas. Instead of Arthur. Yeah, his mentor is Uther, which, of course, Arthur's father in Arthurian mythology is Uther Pendragon. Yeah, it's... it's I, I it, It's not surprising you didn't catch it because it's so obvious that I feel like a lot of people it could slide right under their notice because it is so very obvious that it's sort of like... What's the old saying, the, the, the principle of like someone being, that, someone being that loud and noisy can't be sneaking in? Mm-hmm. Because we all see him. Uh, one of the things I, I've done a lot of research on this just for my own amusement. One of the tricks they tell you about if you want to make sure you don't get properly identified. People do this all the time if they're like trying to sneak into places or, you know, it's something secret agents did a lot. Was put a big, obvious looking fake scar on your face. A huge not even remotely subtle. There's no way that thing's real scar right on your face. And everyone will notice that. And they'll know that it was fake. In, but that's in all they'll cases. remember. That's what they're going to remember. It's going to it's going to draw away attention from everything else. In the case of, of the Arthas story, absolutely he is supposed to... I mean, the, right down to him being the prince who... Pulls a know, sword out of a stone. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an evil sword, but yeah. Out of an ice stone, but still. Yeah, it's still pretty close. Um, now, there's actually quite a few things like that. I mean, Thrall is basically... I don't know how else to put this. He's a baby who was, you know, saved from destruction. His parents had to, like, let him go. He's essentially... He's Kal-El of Krypton. Yeah. His name is even Goel. Yep. So Thrall is literally Green Superman. Like, when people would call him, you know, Green Jesus or whatever, no. He's much closer to Green Moses, but he is basically Green Superman. That's what he is. He's an alien visitor from another world who's ridiculously powerful and has a tremendous amount of importance on the events of his, his adopted home. That's that's who Thrall is. And he's hardly the only one. Um, Sylvanas is ridiculously similar to another Blizzard character in that Sylvanas and... and uh, oh, bloody heck, I can't remember her name. Banshee, not the Banshee Queen, the... Uh, Zerg Queen. Kerrigan. Kerrigan. Yep. Sylvanas and Kerrigan have a lot in common. That's because Blizzard kind of likes to do that story over and over again, though. Um, the, but there's there's quite a few of these. If you look through Warcraft lore for a while, you'll you'll stumble upon quite a few of these these taken and twisted things. I mean, the, the very existence of the Zerg is basically someone saw aliens and wanted to put them into a video game. That's, uh, that's well, not not exactly, but that, that's, that's a different story. <laughs> I just mean in general in terms of their thematic inspiration. They, they were basically based on the xenomorphs. Kinda, but they were they that was the whole thing with GW back in the day. No, no, the GW thing is Warcraft. And Starcraft because Star that was Tyranids. Yeah, I I'm sure I'm willing to accept that Starcraft is definitely influenced by Games yeah. Workshop, but it wasn't the straight one to one port. Not the straight like one to one port, no. No, but I mean, in, and one of the things, and this is a story I love to tell back in, I think it was 2010, I was lucky enough to go to BlizzCon and they had a, one of the, they, there was one of the, the lore panels, the very first lore panel that they, they ever really had. And it really consisted of not even on a stage. It was in a little side area that was going to be used for one of the smaller tournaments at the time because it wasn't the arena tournament or whatever. I forgot. I, I forget which one it was. Um, but it was basically just Chris Metzen sitting at a table answering questions. And one of the things that stuck out to me that year was he was very honest and very upfront about a lot of the stuff. And he even said, he's like, look, when we started everything with these games, when we started hanging out and actually like we could make video games, they were all a bunch of D&D nerds. And he, his words, like they were like, you know, we used to stay up late playing magic. We used to stay up late playing D and D. And he even said, like, you could see the influence in what we do because it's impossible to consume that without being influenced by it. And everybody that's listening to this podcast, if you're a fan of any of, of anything in a meaningful way and you've tried to write something, I, I'm certain if you look at it, you'll find some of that influence creeping in. It's virtually impossible to to not do it. And some are more obvious than others when it comes to, to Warcraft and Starcraft and and some of the and some of the other things that Blizzard has done throughout the years. But it's not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it's just something that they liked and they wanted to have their own spin on it. I I liken it to it's almost like a cover song 
right? You take something that somebody else made and you make it your own while keeping sort of the soul of the original intact. That's the way I look at, at good cover songs. And that's the way I look at stuff like this, where it's like, yes, I was inspired by Arthurian lore. I'm going to take it and mold it a little bit to fit what I like but still keep that meat of it there. So if you look through Warcraft, there's been a ton of things over the years that you could see influences from. Uh, there's a ton of influences from D&D settings. Uh, we've talked a lot about, like, um, there's a lot of, like, Temple of Elemental Evil references here and there. There's a lot of uh, Ravencrest uh, references. Like, you, you play Legion, you go through that entire undead citadel of the, the Raven Lord, you can't tell me that doesn't scream Ravencrest. So, like, or, or, it's just, you're always going to have... When you're saying Ravencrest, are you talking about Ravenloft? Yes, sorry. I, I, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, my again, my brain's doing that thing. But it's, there's always going to be influences. And again, not a bad say, thing. I'm straight up, guys. Um, if you're playing Shadowlands and you don't know what Wraith the Oblivion is... Oh, yeah. <laughs> go look it up. So yeah, I mean, and they not—it's not just there. Diablo. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Diablo is is so. Like, there's a lot of influences, and in, like in horror movies and stuff like that. It, it there's just a ton of it. Yeah, I mean, Hank, the old gods are Lovecraft's, you know, stories. They straight yep. up are. They even have names like them. I mean, it's not even subtle. It's where all those tentacles came from. All right, our next question. Hey, Matt and Joe, Lord Soth again. I was listening to this week's podcast as you were talking about how Blizzard might address the leveling system for future expansions and had a thought. What if they made sort of expansion levels in the same way professions are categorized now? It might seem odd, but it could be a way of, to implement new leveling without also squishing back to 50 to keep the overall character level low for simplicity's sake. Obviously, they don't have a problem with higher levels, but given the push to have all of the prior expansions to level from 10 to 50, it seems odd that they would just go back to the Shadowlands 50 to 60, next expansion 70 to 80, and so on. If they did something where you gained levels for each expansion and they were tracked differently, it could be used in more of a, you've now unlocked this much content. So you're a level 60 character heading into the next expansion, but you've gained three of 10 levels. Maybe come up with a different name, make it clear. Uh, in that expansion, so you can do X, Y, and Z dungeons. TLDR, what if levels worked like Profession Split does now, so that you don't have to keep increasing your level, but instead unlock progress on whatever expansion is current? The same thing we talked about last week would still apply. One of the things that people don't remember, like, basically what you're talking about is having a kind of Paragon system for WoW, and then having a new Paragon system every time new content came out. So you'd be Level 60, but you'd have all 10 levels of Shadowlands unlocked. And then the new expansion came out. Now you're still level 60, and you have to unlock all 10 levels of that expansion. And so there'd be notation on your character sheet for it. It wouldn't be straightforward anymore. People, by looking at you, wouldn't know, okay, how does that work? Do you get character strength? Do you get character benefits from it? Is there character progression to leveling in the new expansion? So if you're just turning it into scientific notation. You're like, you know, 60, 10, 10, 3 as new expansions come out. Okay, I'm only th I've only unlocked three levels of, you know, War on the Shadowy Face expansion. So I'm like, you know, I've only got third, up to third level there. So that, trust me, that's going to get way annoying. It's, it, it isn't, 
the same it's not a terrible idea to do something like that but actually having it actually be straight up partitioned i don't think would work and i think it wouldn't work for the same reason we were talking about last week where it becomes complicated it becomes convoluted and it isn't it, it takes away from people the clear and simple pleasure of i just leveled here's my swoosh i'm now level 61 yeah and i mean it, the, go ahead no uh, i'm pro- you can go i'm done i was going to say even even games like final fantasy 14 when they release new content, they still increase the level cap, and they have a system that does pretty much exactly what you're saying with the job system, where after you hit max level with a job, you can go back and level another job and still get some of that same feeling. But when a new content releases, uh, I think Shadowbringers was the most recent one. Uh, I haven't played in a while, forgive me. Uh, but even then, they raise the level cap from 70 to 80 because there is sort of that... that joy in feeling that accomplishment of hitting those levels, hitting those milestones. And yeah, there are other ways to do it, but the problem is you have to find a balance that is both satisfying and accessible. Like when Matt started talking about like scientific notation, that's not incorrect. Like I've know people that will look at, oh, I can level throughout these expansions and I have to worry about this expansion level and this expansion level and this expansion level, it can be overwhelming. And one of the things that particularly WoW has been trying to do over the years is really sort of keep that barrier to entry low because the harder it is to get people to come back or even entice new players, that's not good for the game. That's not good for the community. It's not good for the long term. If you make a system that is easy to understand even if it's just as simple as every four or five expansions we squish but between then it's every expansion you get 10 levels that's fine and i think it still works and they have to weigh sort of that that cost analysis right it what's going to be more beneficial coming up with an entirely new system that might be a little more complicated and might make people not want to really understand things or make a system that just go and play. And I think that's where that difference comes in. It's not it's not a bad idea by any stretch of the imagination. It's just a difficult idea to sort of implement. Had the game started with something like that, mm-hmm. and this is a problem with a lot of ideas people have that aren't necessarily bad ideas. They're good ground level ideas. Like one idea I've seen that I actually thought was pretty interesting was the idea that what if World of Warcraft didn't have talents? What if it just, you know, you gained abilities as you leveled up and that you, 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 the proficiency of you playing your character never involved picking the right talent or picking the right ability on your armor. It was always about figuring out how to use best the abilities you have. Because that's, that's, that's something Final Fantasy kind of does. Where they don't necessarily have talents. They have jobs and you can choose between jobs. Like you can level the job differently and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you don't actually have talents within it. And I don't know because I haven't played it. But in terms of World of Warcraft, what if you didn't have talents? On the face of it, that might be really interesting. If you took talents out of the game now, it would throw a lot of people off. Yeah. And 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 that's that's always a thing you have to think about. It's like when making a decision, when implementing this idea, how far do you want to push it? The, the, The level squish is pretty severe, but it's comprehensible. I now have less levels than I did. That's it. 
It doesn't doesn't require you to go, okay, now remember, with this new system, you're still the same level, but now when you go into the new your new content, you'll be this level in that content. But when you go to the next expansion and the next thing, the content resets, so now you'll have to level again. It's like, wow, now it's three times more complicated. Well, couldn't you just have me go back down to level 50 and level up from there? Yeah, it, it's, it's also something to keep in mind, too. Like, we talk about one-shot expansion uh, systems a lot. and, and Ooh, You saw Matt, the thing I wrote. I, I did, but we also talk about it a lot, too. Matt and I have very similar feelings about those, for the most part. Um, a lot of people don't like that idea. Uh, they don't like those one-shot system uh, things. They, they can be bold, and sometimes it can be very de- de- or divisive. You're essentially putting more of that into the game, making with a level this idea. into yeah. one shot. Every expansion, you basically yeah. start leveling over again from effective scratch, and you do it every time. So, in, imagine we get two expansions down the road from now. Like I said, you'd be level 60, 10, 10, 3. And it's like, do we really need to have to like parenthesize our level? I, I, I don't see them doing it. It's not a terrible idea. If it were built in such a way that it didn't feel like it was doing that, it might work. But I don't foresee it happening. Yeah. And again, like we said, not a bad idea. I just don't think it's going to happen in a while. Uh, our next question. Hi, guys. I have four level 110 character boosts sitting there because I don't play much with alts. My question is, should I use them now or should I wait for the expan- when the expansion is live? I know they'll probably get nerfed when Shadowlands hits, but will they become level 50 boosters? Is it easier to level from 110 to 120 or from 50 to 60 uh, in Shadowlands? Uh, thank you and congrats for your awesome show. Well, thank you. Uh, Bitsum, Night Elf Warrior from Nazgrel. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they've, they've actually talked about how those boosts are going to shift, have they? I have heard nothing about how they're going to work. Yeah, I mean, in terms of whether it's better to do it now or later, I will say this. I've been leveling ults like crazy right now because the experience boost is still live. So going mm-hmm. from 110 to 120 is real dang quick right now. So it's it not... Takes, a- yeah. Go ahead. Leveling from, leveling from one to 120 is not particularly onerous right now because keep in mind heirlooms are not going to have an xp boost in shadowlands heirlooms do have an xp boost right now yes so if you got your four level 110s and you want to get them to 120 it's as simple as turn in the boost and turn them to 110 characters put on heirlooms a day goes by welcome to level 120 yeah, Whereas, it's it, that's not that's not hyperbole. Like if you if you go and do the questing, you can hit that re- like day or two, easy. And I don't think the boosts are going to go to want to fifty because fifty is the starting level for Shadowlands, and those boosts are the starting level for the game we're in now, Battle for Azeroth. So if anything, they'd be what forty. Except that you know everything is scaling to one like from ten to fifty. The starting the starting XP level for every expansion, except Shadowlands, is ten. Our hero classes start at eight and go up to ten, and the the allied races start at ten. Mm-hmm. Everything is going to ten now, so it's very likely that the character boosts. If they, we don't know what they'll do. We don't know if they'll just take you to 10. 
Like, mm. you know, that seems ridiculous, but I mean, maybe the, the character boost that comes with having bought Shadowlands will take you to 50 and every other expansion's leveling boost up till this point will take you to 10. We don't know. No one said anything. So you're gambling. You're basically hoping that you, you'll, you'll get a win on your gamble and they'll bump those things up to one to, to 50, letting you just level in Shadowlands. But we don't know if that's the case and they could be bumping you all the way to 10. Yeah, I, which is not hard to get in Shadowlands, man. Yeah, I would say like if you if you have four sitting around, your prob the safer option out of everything is probably figure out what alts you want to boost and potentially play in the future and boost them now. Even if you don't level them to one twenty, you're still in a better position potentially than you are still otherwise. Be, you'll still likely be like at or around forty once Shadowlands comes out. Now, that said, I would say if if they do an AMA or if they do a, you know, a feedback session or anything like that, you get an option to give feedback. Ask this question. This is actually this is a really good question that we don't know. And it's also I'm not going to lie because I use my boosts immediately. Like, I I don't really hold on to them. I I have a real problem with this is pretty push button. Uh, I didn't even consider that this was going to be a potential problem for players because I didn't have it staring me in the face. So, I I mean, and this is for all of our listeners out there. If you get a chance to ask this question, please ask them respectfully, but ask the devs or or anybody who does an AMA or or any option we have out there. And this goes to our other content creators out there. If you get a chance to ask this question in an interview, bring it up. And make sure to make this point, too. It's not just just the, the Battle for Azeroth buff to talk about here. What happens to your Warlords of Draenor buff? Because mm-hmm. if you buy, you know, you get Warlords of Draenor, you get a, bu- a boost to level ninety. If you buy Legion, you get a boost to level one hundred. What happens to those boosts? Heck, what's going to happen to the just straight old buying a boost in Battle for in, in Shadowlands? There's a boot. You can buy a boost right now. You can just spend the sixty bucks and get a boost right now. What happens in the next expansion? Do you still do that? And where does it take you? Does it take you to 50 and once we get into the new expansion? Which is, you know, cool if it does. Now, but we need to know. You just hit on something that I, that, that I think is interesting, too, and might play into this. We don't know how character services are going to change either. We do know that, like, certain aspects, like changing the gender of your character, are now going to be in-game because you can do that at the barbershop. That's something you previously had to pay money for, real physical money. There's an uh, There's a potential that character boost might not be there. There's a to purchase. There's a chance that that might shift, that some of those options might not be real money options anymore. Uh, so that's another thing to consider, too. Like, you might not have the option to buy more boosts later. So who knows? I, I think I remember years ago they said something about, I don't want to say regretting the character boosts, but, like, not liking how it was implemented. This might be an opportunity that they change it. Who knows? Yeah, we really don't know. There's a lot, a lot of stuff we don't know. So it's not a, a bad question to ask. All right. Our next question. Hello, watchers. So I've been thinking of the cosmic forces and all the questions left unanswered and thought of the scenario. <clears throat> Light and void clash and explode in the various forces spontaneously. Life does what life does and comes to life. Elune, feeling lonely, proceeds to give life to the pure light and void, order and disorder, and finally death. Being primal forces, they are more sentient and than they are alive. So they do what they would always do and try to claim more for them alienating 
uh, poor Alun. So she gives life to the great dark and interacts with different races who end up worshiping her. And that is why she is a true deity that has many different planets knowing who she is. Does it sound like the direction they are headed or does it sound ridiculous? Love, Uthos. Also, Matt, keep tweeting. I love your tweets. Okay. I'm sure you had fun with them today then. <laughs> I mean, it's it certainly could be the cosmology. It's not what they've said so far, but it's not directly contradicting anything. Um, the good thing, the interesting thing about us not knowing a whole heck of a lot about a loon is that, yeah, anything you just said might be true. Uh, on the other hand, it might not. I don't know what they, we know that there's more to a loon than Azeroth. We know that because in the Shadowlands beta, uh, you will find out that a loon is worshipped on other planets, that there are other people who have been touched by a loon. There's other worlds out there that have, that know her. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a other night. There's other night warriors who were never from Azeroth. So, that's something we know. We don't know exactly. We still don't know what Elune is. We we don't know how how she compares to the ancients. We know that at least one ancient is her child. Um, Scenarius. Scenarius is the the offspring of Elune. We don't know how that works. But it's he is the son of Malorn and Elune. So, how'd that work? Why does a giant stag god sleeping with Elune give you a half night elf looking thing? I couldn't tell you. I don't know what Elune is. So, it's possible that is how it goes, or it's possible it's some variation on that, like Elune is created by the Clash of Light and Void. We know that the Fell is created by the Clash of Light and Void, though, so that's interesting. Um,. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a bad idea or anything. It's just I don't know. I can't answer your question in terms of like is that what I think they're doing? I have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, there it's one of those things where we this is a hard one because we don't know because nothing we're at, we're at the non-committal stage is what I call it. They ha- I don't think they've really they know where the story is going to go. They know where they want it to go, but they they're they're still ironing out how they're going to present and how they're going to get from point A to point B. Like I I fully believe that. Uh, I think that we're going to find out a lot more soon, and I don't think there's anything that we're going to find out that that completely negates what you're putting out there. But I suspect it's going to be a whole lot more. Personally, I think it's going to revolve more around the whole first ones thing, because that's something that's new. That's something that is unique to this expansion. It's not Titans. It's not something we've dealt with before. It's not Light and Void. It's other. It's brand new. It's something we have no basis for, but we know that it's something that the Jailer potentially belongs to and I'm gonna, potentially the I'm Arbiter, gonna talk, right? I'm going to talk up front here. One of the big inspirations on World of Warcraft and its lore to this day is Jack Kirby. Yeah. Jack Kirby was one of the instrumental comics creators who Half of Marvel Comics is basically because of him. And everything that came after is also due to his, well, greatly in part to his influence. And another comic, if, if you've ever heard of Darkseid or the New Gods, that's Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. So he also went over to DC and gave them one of the, the stories that they've been mining ever since. Kirby was was one of those people, he loved the concept of like bigger, taking mythology and kind of making his own mythology that was, that was like rooted in and based around changes and and concepts like when I, I just mentioned dark side, the new gods were all about that sort of thing. Like dark side was evil, but he wasn't an evil. Like he wasn't just, you know, the evil God, like we'd have in the old days. He was literally a God of fascism. 
Mm-hmm. He was a god of anti-life, and anti-life wasn't death. Anti-life is destruction of choice. It's controlling you. It's the he was the god of wanting to control everything. That's what Darkseid was. One of the things Kirby did when he was working for Marvel was he came up with the concept called the Eternals. And the Eternals are going to be a movie. And the Eternals were basically like it was weird because he'd already put the Norse gods in, and then he decided, well, no, the gods the gods of, of mythology were actually these these people who were exposed to super advanced science and they were changed into these immortal beings. So he then had two groups that were effectively gods and it's all, you know, Kirby doesn't care. But the beings that created the Eternals and who went from world to world creating all sorts of things like that were the Celestials. Mm-hmm. And the Celestials were like miles tall cosmic forces. If you saw Guardians of the Galaxy, there's a scene where the Celestial uses one of the Infinity Stones. Yeah, that scene that scene where the Collector is showing the whole destruction of whatever, that, that's a Celestial. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the fact that he goes to nowhere, nowhere is inside the head of a Celestial. Yep. Nowhere is the dead and, Celestial that's being mined. Yeah. And as a result, like when I talk, when I think about the first ones and it talks about, I think a loon might be a first one. Yeah. That's, that's exactly where I was going with it. I was leaning to, I'm leaning towards that myself. And I think that there are others. And I think that the first ones created all these pantheons we know about Titans as the pantheon of order. The ones we're seeing now, like the jailer and the arbiter as the pantheon of death. Cause we know that basically all the heads of the various Shadowlands we're going to like Sire Denathrius and the Archon and uh, I forget who the guy in Maldraxxus is. They're all members of this pantheon of death, just like the Jailer and the Arbiter. And I think that the various other pantheons were also created by them. And the first ones are effectively like the pantheon of creating the universe, for lack of a better word. They, they, they were the first ones to exist and everything else comes from them. Maybe. I don't know. I am just speculating here. I think Elune is going to turn out to be one of them. I don't think she's the only one. She might be the last one. Like, if if she were the last one of them, and all these other groups were her attempts to effectively replace her lost brothers and sisters, it would explain why she was working with the Titans on Azeroth. Or why she made them in the first place if she had a hand in that at all. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to it. But I definitely think... We're gonna. The first ones are gonna be a big part of this, and the fact that we can use first ones technology implies that we are somehow related to it. Something about Azeroth, something about the world Azeroth, something about the Titan Soul in Azeroth, something about us as beings from Azeroth is directly related to the first ones in some way, which is why we can use the first ones technology and others can't. But I don't know. It, either that or they watched a whole lot of She-Ra before they made the expansion. Well, I mean, they probably did. Which is not a bad thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, we're in a we- like I said, we're in a weird point where we're going to find out more soon. But as of right now, nothing exactly contradicts your your scenario. But we also don't have anything that explicitly supports it yet. Yeah, well, we f- can't say yes. We can't say no. We can't say no. That's a terrible idea. Nothing you've said makes me... It's not like you went out and said, what if Thrall is, in fact, Gul'dan? Like, well, no, he's not. They're different people. <laughs> you know, it's, that one's a simple one. He's not. But this, yours isn't... It isn't that. There's nothing you said is, is, quite, is contradictory to anything we know right now. But it could be in the future as we learn more. All right. 
our next, our last one. I recently started playing with some of my OG guild friends that don't care about lore. I'm on the opposite spectrum where that's what I thrive on. Do you find that balance challenging since you have to dig into both sides as commentators of the game? I'm not really sure exactly what you want me to be giving my opinion on. I mean, is it challenging to care about the lore of the game? If I found that challenging, my life would be way worse than it is. And I'm not arguing my life doesn't have bad moments, but I like doing my job. I like doing the lore stuff. I, and I, I mean, to me, the lore stuff is, is more entertaining now than the game part of the game. I've been playing World of Warcraft since 2004. It has little that it can surprise me with in terms of game mechanics. I've been here for every expansion. I mean, there's just, there's not a lot it's going to do at this point. I go into a raid fight and it's like, I, I'm, it's like I'm playing a game of Mad Libs with previous raid fights I've been in to describe this <laughs> raid fight to people. Oh yeah, you know this boss, it's like that boss. Yep. Yeah, we had one, one guy in my, in my guild used to say, yeah, it's like Omnitron. He would just use Omnitron from Cataclysm for everything. Because Omnitron had a lot of mechanics in it. So, you know, you could kind of just say, oh, it's like Omnitron. Or it's like, yeah, yeah, this this one requires the tanks to split up and use this ability. It's kind of like the first boss in Mogushan Vaults. It's like, you know, the, I love World of Warcraft, but I'm not in a place where it's going to be shocking me anymore. Very rarely does it fight. More more times than not, when a fight tries, something, tries to be new and innovative, at this point, I'm just annoyed by it. Because it's like, oh, so I can't just do this. We have to jump from platform to platform and then click the glowing button. Great. Sometimes I, I, I you have no idea how much I miss patchwork. Just, just put <laughs> just, a boss just in front wail of us on and, something. Yeah, just put a boss in front of us and let us hit him. Maybe we'll have to like have the tanks dance a little bit or, or, or swap off on taunts. But that's it. I, I, I'm not saying every fight has to be simple, but my point is just that. I have a hard time. What are you doing if you don't care about the lore? What, what do you care about? Do you care about the gameplay, or is it the fact that you're playing with friends? Because I can get behind that. Yeah. And in that, that's cool. And you know, a lot of times, if you have a good friend group, it'll keep you playing the game much longer than otherwise. Because you know, you're hanging out with your friends, and you're mate, you're cracking wise, and you're making jokes about how, you know, Nyalatha feels an awful lot like H.P. Lovecraft's creepy basement. You know, things like that. Um, do I find it challenging? I can't say I do. It's not nothing about World of Warcraft. I don't find it challenging because I am so familiar with it. Even the stuff that is harder for me to do, like for instance, uh, trying to do like a two mask. I mean, I'm legally blind. It's very hard for me to do like the two mask, three mask, uh, horrific visions. Those are actually, those are purely actually challenging for me. But I don't. They don't task me mentally. I don't have to like worry about it so that's it's not the same thing um i do the thing is is that i honestly feel like for people who don't really like care about the lore it's like you're you're totally within your rights not to care about it but i am interested in why you keep playing like if you are somebody like what, listening to us now and you're thinking oh, i don't care about the lore why do you keep playing what keeps you here if it's not the lore if the story of the game doesn't interest you what does because that to me that's interesting like, you know, people who play the game just there's people who play the game just because they love doing the, the auction house. And that like that's alien to me. Like, I, I could never be that person. But it's really interesting that there are people who've made the auction house into a completely different game that they play. 
Yeah, I've, um, I've had that. I've had that conversation with Anna from the site a few times, where like she does the auction house stuff a lot. I don't get it, but like that's an aspect of the game she enjoyed, or, or pet battling, or things like that. Like, I don't get me wrong, I like Pokemon, but it's not an aspect of the game I enjoy. Uh, not I like collecting, but not playing with them, so to speak. For I don't find it difficult to live in both worlds myself, because honestly, this game is comfort food for me. Uh, when I'm playing the game, I enjoy the game because it's comfortable. I know what to expect from it mechanic-wise. I know, you know, if I press spacebar, I'm going to jump. If I, you know, I have QWER and ASD for my movement keys and turning. Like, I know that's what it's going to be. I don't have to think too hard about it. I can just enjoy myself in it or, you know, relax and turn my brain off a little bit. Again, it's comfort food. But for me... The story is one of the main reasons I keep coming back. I like seeing the evolution of a story. WoW, to me, is a lot like my favorite book series. I keep reading the new ones that come out in them because I like to. I want to know where the story is going. I like the game of predicting where the path is going to lead. I like analyzing it. I like ter- like looking into it deeper, looking for the little hints, looking for the things that are hidden in plain sight. And if somebody that I'm hanging out with in my guild doesn't really care about that, that's fine. They don't have to. I know some of the people in my guild play because they just like hanging out with their friends. We all live, you know, thousands of miles from each other, but we play together, you know, two nights a week, three nights a week, four nights a week, depending on what we do, because that's that's our social interaction. But, like, even the players that don't care about story so much in my guild will still ask about it. They still sometimes something will interest them and, 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 and they'll ask, well, why is this like this? And we'll sit and we'll talk about it. And I enjoy sharing that. I enjoy the opportunity of sharing that with a, with them when they, when they get to that point. So I don't find it hard to live in both worlds of analyzing the game mechanics, being critical of them when necessary, praising them when necessary, diving into the story, and then still playing the game with people that maybe don't necessarily kill about, care about the the lore. It's all just one part of the same thing for me. It's that same delicious cake. Yeah, I think, to a degree, I think for me, critiquing the mechanics and structures and systems of this game is second nature to me by this point. Oh, yeah. Reflexive I have almost. been I've been swimming in this game systems for, I mean, God, let's not think about that. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, seriously, if I had had a kid the same year I started playing World of Warcraft, that kid would be in high school right now, getting ready to go um, to college almost. Yeah, and when you spend as much time doing it as we have, sometimes, like, I mean, I th- I can't remember if it was me or I mean. I'm trying to remember who it was who was the most leery of Azerite when it was first announced. I think it was me. I, I certainly was one of the people that. Oh, had a you problem. and you and I were very vocal about it. I got I got a lot of hate for being not happy about it. Yeah, uh, Azerite was just not something I thought was was going to work out, and it wasn't that I you know again it's not a hate thing. Um, it but it is very much. Game systems are, as you've been playing this long enough, if you play the game long enough, you will see systems come and go. You will have seen ideas be brought in, take over, go in directions no one foresaw. Uh, One really comes to mind, I don't know if you guys remember Reforging. 
Reforging was huge in Cataclysm and Mists of Pandaria, to the point where in Mists of Pandaria, they introduced an incredibly expensive couple hundred thousand gold mount. At the time, like that was significant money. Ah, uh, yes, still my precious is. yak. Yeah, they, and, and I bought that yak because it was a reforging mount. And so when I got it, I, was, I remember we were doing Throne of Thunder at the time as a raid, and I was still playing Horde at the time. And I would literally, between attempts on, like, we'd, we'd get halfway through. When any place in that raid where you could mount up, and there were quite a few places in that raid where you could mount up, I would mount my yak and people would reforge for the next fight. That's how reforging went from a system that they'd intended so that if you got a pair of tank pants, but you didn't have a tank player, they could reforge off some of the tank stats and use them as not as good DPS pants until better DPS pants dropped. That was the entire purpose of reforging when they introduced it. Nobody used it that way. People used reforging. They would go to Ask Mr. Robot, and they would calculate out, okay, I need to get my haste up, because haste is my best DPS stat. Oh, but all yeah. my gear has crit on it. So I go to Ask Mr. Robot, and I feed them my armory, and they tell me exactly how to reforge every single piece of gear on me to get my haste where I want it to be. That's how it was used and it was completely unforeseen by blizzard despite the fact that literally everybody who played the game told them that's what they were going to do with it because sometimes a developer has this really cool idea and it's it's got a really good purpose and they're not thinking like the hundreds of thousands of greedy amoral demon goblins that make up their player base i i think um allison roberts once described it as relentlessly rational Mm -hmm. player base is relentlessly rational they will eke out the absolute minimum benefit for the maximum effort and you would never think it would be worth doing and they'll do it anyway yep and that's what happened reforging that's kind of what's been happening with azurite where people are like just people only take the azurite pieces that give the absolute best best ability and anything else will just go in a like scrap pile like, boom, I mean turn it into Heck, it was part of the reason why they got rid of your old talent system, too. Yeah. So you'll see that happen as you play the game. The systems will change. The systems will diverge. And eventually the systems will be abandoned. And new systems will come in. And you'll do, you'll do it all over again. You guys, I don't know if you remember armor penetration, but armor penetration, guys. <laughs> armor penetration was the stat. It was the stat. If you were melee DPS or a hunter, it was the stat. It was the only stat you cared about. The original AP, yep. You and people were like, Grim Toll was a was a token that dropped in Nax twenty, I mean Nax twenty five, and it was the DPS token. Like people were going back for Grim Toll, that were clearing, that were doing heroic Lich King. They were still going back every week to try to get Grim Toll. That's how good it was. So. If you play the game long enough, that stuff becomes second nature to you. And it doesn't... I'm, I'm sitting around going, ooh, the story of this place is so cool. Ah, but that token, that, that trinket and, doesn't give me anything. It gives me an ace. I don't want it. That's just the way my brain works at this point. I'm, I'm incapable of going to a grocery store without waxing repsodic about the lore of that melon. Yeah, But I mean, and, and to go back to the just the meat of the question, like, if you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you're falling behind because your friends don't care about the story as much as you do... Try not to think too hard on it. Just enjoy the game how you want to enjoy the game. You'll catch up when you catch up. And honestly, the time between 
you know, an expansion to start to max level isn't like it used to be. Back when we used to do the grind from zero to 60, uh, or one to 60, really. But it, it was awful. It took forever. And, like, if you fell behind, you fell behind. Now it's not so bad. It, it's really not as difficult. Like, I've been in my guild. We have people that power level immediately when an expansion drops. I don't. I'm not that person anymore. Uh, but we all get there at roughly the same time, maybe within a few days of each other. And I still get to sit back and relax and enjoy the story and enjoy the moments and enjoy the cutscenes. And even if, and I catch up within a reasonable time to the person that blew through everything, canceled every cutscene, and, and didn't care about any of that stuff and just wants to get into the raid. Like, just enjoy the game how you want to enjoy it. And if you want to talk lore with people that, you know, that like lore as much as you do, people like us are out there. That's why the, the entire reason that Lore Watch was born was a late night conversation on another podcast where I, I was guessing Anne was in the audience and then we talked like she went back and talked with Rossi and then everything just sort of like just blew up from there. Like because we just loved talking lore with each other, whether it was late night or everything else. And I mean, Anne and, 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 and Rossi were doing it for years with the tinfoil hats and everything else. Like it was just we found people like ourselves and that's what happened. We're out there and you find people. That's what Twitter and, and some of the other communities are for. Enjoy the game. Just enjoy the game how you want to do it. Don't stress. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, that pretty much covers it. I will just say this, dude. I hope you find if you're not having fun, then you're not. There's no point to it. If you're having fun with your friends, let that be what what guides you. Don't don't worry. You're not doing it right. Just do what's fun. It's too life is too short, and the game will be here. It doesn't. You don't have to go too fast. You don't have to hurry. You don't have to rush it. It's not like when they get to max level, they might get to max level a week or two before you. They're going to have two years of being max level. You know, it's going to even out. Yep. But with all that said, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, thank you, Joe. Uh, again, guys, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. And, of course, you can also hit up our Discord where we have two channels where you can ask questions as well. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. For myself and Joe, I want to say thank you, and we'll be here next week. Bye.